You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. John Wertheim here with another Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. Our guest this week, Hall of Famer. For our deflated currency, as good an analyst in tennis as you'll find, coach extraordinaire, Lindsay Davenport, welcome. How are you? <laughs> I'm good, but now you put all this pressure on me. Now i got to be a good guest. You will be a good guest. <laughs> all right, let's talk tennis. Okay. You're just back from Paris. Give me five takeaways. Five? Okay, five takeaways. I'm now not sure that Novak Djokovic is going to win the French Open, which I can't believe that is the case. You know, going into the French, you had people saying, there's no way he can't win it. He's so good. He's by far the best player. And you had this other small group that said, no way mentally it's going to be so tough for him to overcome this hurdle because he wants it so bad. And in watching the final it just seemed like the pressure got to him. I know he was fatigued. He had to beat Murray, and he had to beat Rafa and play the day before, but it just seemed to overwhelm him. And I'm nervous and concerned that he might not win the career Grand Slam. I hope that's not the case because he's way too good for that not to happen. Um, that's good. How, you, you thought that was a big up? I mean, I thought I'm, that was a huge upset. I thought you that was a huge so? upset. I, I would say upset, but I would thought, a Stan just played lights out, but also you you did wonder that he beats Nadal, so big win, but it's emotional. Then the Murray semi goes two, Murray semi goes two days. Stan's playing well. Okay, but I, Novak normally doesn't allow people to play that well against him. That's a good point. Right, he has this amazing ability to kind of diffuse a player's weapons and to keep them pin back and to do all this stuff and you know he he was he was off a little bit I know that and I mean Vavrinka had to play amazing and he did but I think just each year that goes by every year he goes back there's just more and more and more focus on Novak and can he win there I'm curious to see how he he recovers after not winning this year. I think it's going to be pretty tough for him. You mean you mean at Wimbledon recovers or well, next time he's back there? 
just think as the year goes on, sometimes it wears on you a little later. It's sometimes a blessing to have something else right away to kind of gear up for and to get rid of it. But, you know, it might hit him in August. It might hit him in October. I mean, who knows? But I think he's pretty disappointed he didn't win there. All right, that's good. Very interesting. <laughs> I, I do not disagree with him. The funny thing about him, though, is this is a great clay court player. Right, this isn't like Pete goes to Paris and it's enough. Or even even when Roger won, yeah, you know he didn't have to go through Rafa, and and you didn't have a sense that uh, he was ever going to do that again after he won in '09. Right, but that's yeah. what I mean about Novak. He is by far the best player, and every year something kind of quirky happens that doesn't allow him to win, and it it just it just seems to keep happening. And historically, we've seen that with other players. I. I don't know. I think every year mentally it just becomes a bigger and bigger hurdle to try and overcome. Um, but we'll see. I mean, next year there's even more focus on yeah, him again. Exactly. This year he had everything going for him, going in, and wasn't able to come through. All right, very good. Okay, so another Are one. We, uh, we have to talk Serena, right? I, I, I mean, if, you, all right, if you're me. Yes. Well, we're, we're in the same game here. If we're, if we're in the media and you are in the media, is there an angle to this story that you feel isn't covered? I mean, what, what's left to say about Serena at this point? Uh, not much. <laughs> um, you, you know, she's incredible when you, you watch her out there when she really, really wants something. There's just nothing that gets in her way. And I've never seen her, and she admitted it, choke the way she did in the second set. Um, and you know what? Most players historically have kind of like gone into a shell and Serena immediately in the third set was like oh no this is not happening to me and this is not happening to me today and willed herself to win that match which is maybe one of the more remarkable performances we've seen from her because she had to overcome a lot emotionally um I can't wait to see Wimbledon to see if she can win, get the Serena Slam, but more importantly, if she can put herself in a position for the calendar year Grand Slam. I cannot wait. It'd be like the whole, you know, it'd be like the horse coming into Belmont, right? Totally, and and just how how I mean, I remember the everyone the anticipation with the Bryan brothers two years ago for doubles. Can you imagine if a player's going for it in singles? An and American I what player she said at the U.S. Open before yeah, the yeah. final. She's like, I love Stan, but. You know, part of me wants Novak to win, so I don't have all this pressure by myself. We're in this together, brother. What a big deal it is. Yeah, exactly. Remember, her quote, her quote was, we're, we're going to be in this together, brother. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I can't wait. I hope she does win Wimbledon, because I, I, I would love to see her go for history at, at the U.S. Open. Love it. All right, what do you think of this? R- r- rate this as, uh, as a storyline you'd pursue, or if it's fanciful. That very subtly... She's really become part of the tennis culture. You and I went to that, that ITF dinner, and she showed up, and she's wearing a dress that another player had lent her, and everybody's applauding. This whole sort of William sisters against the world and the tennis society is spurring, you know, I mean, I, th- I think this whole, like, ostracism theme is kind of played out because I think Serena's kind of in the thick of tennis world these days. I think somebody was able to get her to realize whatever point that was. I don't know if that was five years ago, two years ago, or whatever, just how important she is. She also has the benefit of being 33, almost 34 years of age. I mean, every player we typically see on the women's side, 
they're immature just because of their age. They have all this success at this bizarre age, all this money, and they they don't handle themselves maybe as great as they can. And then when they're away from tennis or in their 30s or 40s, they realize, oh, wow, I could have done things differently. Have we ever had a player at their prime at 33? So she not only has the benefit of still being in great shape because she's just such an amazing athlete, but now she gets it. (laughs) She gets life as a 30-something-year-old and can change people's perceptions of her because she's still so powerful. And um, you're right. I mean, at the ITF dinner, could she have possibly handled that with any more grace, even though she had to play again the next day? in a quarterfinal, and most of the players didn't show. I think she's, she's an amazing difference from her early in her career to how she handles herself now. It's, it's remarkable. We're running out of storylines for her, though. You, you agree <laughs> no with way. That? She's going for history. It's oh, no, no, but I mean, like, how many more ways to describe she you know, refuses to lose and she has these tremendous competitive will, and it's, it's amazing to watch, and I think – you know, X years from now, 50 years from now, we're going to be talking about this incredible athlete, but um, it's almost like you've seen the movie. Like, she she was losing those first sets of matches, and you still would have said it's 80-20, she wins this thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, I can't imagine an athlete, and I know it will happen at some point, because I just said it, <laughs> you just can't imagine as better of an athlete, as strong of an athlete, as more powerful as an athlete, with the mind that we've never seen before kind of play this sport. She's been uh, the most um, – she hasn't been like the other champions we've seen mentally. I mean, how many other champions have we seen, you know, cursing themselves loudly in the third set of a Grand Slam trying to get themselves going? Um, you know, she's right. broken the mold, and <laughs> she's earned every right to do that. How much, um, how much has this Serena's singular talents and how much of this is – an iffy WTA period? Mm, I don't know. I think when she's firing at all cylinders, I'm not sure how many people could hang with her. Um, it would be nice if she had, she's just, you know, by the time she gets to play her, quote, rivals, and we say that with air quotes, right. you know, she's, she's just off to the races and running. I mean, Azarenka was a good glimpse because she played her early at the French, but... You know, she's way better than everyone else playing tennis when she's even at 70%. It's just a fact these days. Maybe the other players will improve their games the next few years. Maybe eventually her game will go down a little bit based on her age. But I don't know. It doesn't seem like anything's going to be changing too soon. No, I was talking to one of her sisters, too, and it's almost like when, when she loses, it's huge news. Like, the best she can do coming into these tournaments is holding serve. You know what I mean? Like, she wins and it's expected. And for 127 other players in the draw, it's, it's a chance to take down Serena, and this rare chance to win a title. For her, it's like she's either upset and it's big news or else she just did what she was supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, jeez. Uh, <laughs> when you win 20 Grand Slams, that's the way it's going to be. And... But I think she's got a pretty good way of looking at it these last few years. And um, it's obvious disappointment if she doesn't leave holding the trophy. She's obviously felt that a little bit. Obviously, she wins more than she loses, but she does not want to have that feeling. And you saw that at the French. All right, four other players. 
Maria. Are you giving them to me? Yeah, I'm giving them to you. Okay, good. Maria. Yep. Give me, give me two sentences. Does she, she just writes this off because she was sick, or you think there's some more? I think she writes this off because she was sick. Uh, you couldn't deny if you saw Maria, if you even, you know, even practice was a struggle. She was practicing like right next to our tennis channel compound, and why she was trying to have the same intensity. You could tell she was, like, bent over. She was breathing hard, not typical Maria. Um, she now has more time than she's had these last few years to get ready for the grass and won't be fatigued. I would say she's going to play much better on the grass than we've seen the last few years because of that. Um, but I think she's got a, a great ability to kind of com- compartmentalize rationalize and move forward and i don't think the sleeves are down for too long defending wimbledon champion petrick vidova has not you would say con- consolidated that major no um thoughts you know i really thought last year when she won and she's older and she knows what to expect that she would that would just kickstart her and it's just amazing her good is so good and her bad is so bad and she can't figure out how to play in between ever um you know we i called that match she, she lost to pachinski at the at the french open right. and cruise in six two and then she just stops and i don't know what goes obviously don't know what goes through her head but you just love to see her try and figure things out and just find that middle ground a little bit more She's always going to be good on grass because she serves well. She has a good lefty serve, and a lot of the lefties that do play, there's not many, but a lot of them don't even have a good lefty serve. Um, and part, you know, the biggest challenge is just accepting the grass and going with it, and you know, not fighting it. And she likes the grass, so she, I think she's always going to do well there. Um, but she's got to learn to compete better if she's going to be challenging Serena and Maria. She's far behind them in in head, you know, mental toughness in these big matches. So speak, speaking of mental toughness, the player she beat in the final last year, Jeannie Bouchard, is. Uh, I, I, you can't even call this a slump anymore. I mean, this no. is just. I don't, Did you, you know, do have one of these? I don't, I don't even remember. And now this has gone from, okay, the game, her game is a little off, to this is now completely mental. Right. And that's hard to see, you know? She's so much better than how she's played this year. She has, I mean, you have to think she's going to turn it around here sooner or later, but, I mean, I don't know what is going on behind the scenes, but, I mean, we talked about it in Paris. There was an awful lot of reshuffling when things were going great that, uh, you know, last year she has her best year. She's in the top ten. She makes it to Singapore for the WTA championships, and she gets rid of her coach agent and shortly after her trainer. That's that a lot of disruption. Me, yeah. <laughs> not knowing what exactly was going on. So you have to think now that things aren't going well, things must be even more chaotic. I, I don't know, but... Um, did you, you know, have, did she, you have a sophomore slump like that? I mean, it, it seems... This seems more than a sophomore slump. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it, it stands to reason that you have this breakout year, and then there's more pressure, and you're playing bigger events, because you, you can't, you, you know, you, the WTA rules make you play a different schedule, but I, I can't remember a player just 
absolutely falling off a cliff like this. For her talent and her level, to lose and, and to be seated and to have some buys and to have your drop protected a little bit based on where she's been ranked, to lose 9 out of 10 is very hard to do. And, you know, I, even the player she's lost to, you're kind of like, that doesn't really make sense. Um, i, I got to think, and you have to hope that if you're in her camp, that once maybe the pressure and Wimbledon's over of those ranking points and when the ranking finally just does drop, which is inevitable no matter how she does, that then she just then she can start to move forward. Yeah, but, unfortunately for her, next her next event at Wimbledon is probably going to be Canada. But Right. Yeah, I, I would imagine. I mean, it seems now that she's trying to enter every single tournament and trying to get all these matches in. Right. Um, I don't know. It just obviously things aren't aren't going well for her. I, she's way too good to have this keep happening. I, now you get to the point where you're like, I hope she turns it around soon. <laughs> oh, I know. Exactly. She's become the watch. ultimate tennis underdog. Yeah, definitely. What, uh, we, we, we don't have to dwell on this, but what about the player you're coaching? Grass, <laughs> grass would seem to be a surface that, uh, you know, she, she had a nice event last year and then, and then had the adductor injury. Are you, uh, yeah. we're, we're expecting yeah. big things? It, I think for uh, most of the Americans, except some of them, maybe like Jack Sock and I think Sloan on the clay, I think most of them kind of breathe a sigh of relief when they can look back and say, okay, the red clay season is done. What's ahead? The grass, the hard courts in the States. So there's definitely a lot of positivity for Madison of what's coming up the rest of the year. And again, I mean, she's a player that likes grass and Sometimes that's half the battle. Having said that, last year was her first year of doing well on grass. That I don't know if it's automatic just the second year that, that you, things are still so great. Uh, she's going to be a great grass court player. I don't know if that's going to be in 2015, though. It, it might, she's 20 years old. That might be more at 22, 23. Um, unfortunately, uh, she got whatever that flu was going around Paris and has been in bed the last nine or ten days. Oh, really? So, oh, no that's going to obviously hurt a little bit going in. So hopefully she gets, um, you know, she gets well and she gets better and she gets happy to be on a different surface. You don't, don't downplay this. You, you like this yep. coaching bit, don't you? No, of course. I, would, I don't downplay that. I would never take on something at this stage with four kids that I truly didn't love. It's like calling uh, tennis matches or sitting on the desk with you, John. <laughs> You're great at uh, both. Madison. No, no, seriously though, you, you, um, you know, there's some players that have even talked about, oh, I'm going to coach when I'm done playing. Um, but apart from, I mean, it seems like there's a nice personal relationship. But I get the sense you, you like the, the job of coaching and the, the strategizing and. and I the, love the job of coaching Madison. I didn't think I would necessarily. Um, love coaching it does take an awful lot of commitment and time um i am very excited when we kind of figured it out in december that it was going to be more full time kind of those first few months of the year were already kind of planned for both of us in terms of i haven't been to that many tournaments with her so starting kind of now through the u.s open um you know i'm at just about every single one hopefully um you know, that helps or, I don't know, that then I can make more of a difference or can, you know, be of some help at some tournaments. But, and especially going into kind of her favorite surfaces, um, she's been fantastic to work with. 
she's been a great addition to our family and to have around. And, you know, I'm sympathetic to everything that she goes through. It's not easy being a young, successful tennis player these days. And it's much more complicated than it was for me 20 years ago. Um, so there's a lot of outside stuff that seems to come into play these days. I was going to say, how, how much of that is she's from the Midwest, so she's naturally grounded and skeptical of bright lights? And how much of that is, is you sort of, you know, ha- having a maternal role here? I mean, how, how hard is it for her to resist some of these, I don't want to say temptations, but some of these distractions that... I mean, first of all, the social media, that is just rough. And I don't know where people think anonymously that gives them the right to say kind of the most hurtful or vile things ever. People love to think that they can do that. And to anybody who potentially is more sensitive or reads it, you know, it's it's destructive. So there's the whole side of understanding that. I mean, when I played, I couldn't even read newspapers because I just didn't want to hear anything. And... Yet with social media, people have like this instant access. So it's kind of like trying to figure that out. Also dealing with the player who's 19, um, now 20, who likes life and likes people and has friends and isn't built like, let's say, Sharapova, who's just like, okay, no matter what I'm going to do, I just want to win my tennis match and, you know, can do that at tournaments. I don't want to talk to other players. I don't want to be friends with anybody. I'm, and I'm going to leave the site. If someone who has a lot of friends, you know, wants to have a, a life outside tennis and just trying to balance that at a young age, um, which I think long-term is maybe more healthy and better, but then just trying to get uh, all the focus in, in, on the match at hand and, and be willing to do whatever it takes each day to be the best player you can be. And you, you sort of, it seems like you, you recognize she is, she's a different set of challenges that you had in 1997, that this is a different landscape in tennis. Definitely. <laughs> There's no question that things have changed uh, crazy. Uh, and again, like what, what players go through or even the outside influences. And, um, but, you know, it's still about hitting the ball, and she does it so well. And one great thing, I mean, Madison, obviously it's, it's, you can't deny when you watch her play, like, wow, she's got a lot of potential or she should be ranked whatever, or she should win Grand Slams. There's also a lot of things that she needs and can do better, which is actually more of the exciting part about coaching someone is, is trying to get them to realize that and to make those subtle adjustments on court and see it play out. Still a lot that has to be done, and, and hopefully, you know, it, it can happen either this year or next year or sometime in the future for her. I keep thinking of you and Steve Kerr. And I think it, you, you, you got in at the right time. No, it's, it's, there, there was enough of a track record, so you knew that there was potential, but you, you're sort of... I don't know. I think he's done uh, an awfully good job there. Let's, let's not bring him down to my level yet. <laughs> you didn't see the game last night. Um, so I know you love more than anything to talk about yourself and glorify oh, yourself. 16 years ago. Okay. Wimbledon champion. 16, I know. Isn't that a long time ago? No. It is. Come on. Martina Hingis is still playing. <laughs> um, no, but see, I, I'm curious, like, what, I don't want to say your, tell your kids, but when, when you think about that, like, what's, what are sort of the, uh, the prominent memories? Um, you know, things kind of sometimes, when you look back at tournaments, things like every possible part could fall into place, fell into place. 
and I know that sounds really kind of crazy, but there was a ton of rain in 99. And for whatever reason, the scheduling gods were, like, on my side, where one day, I think it was the round of 16-day Monday, I was first on. And I finished my match by, you know, in an hour and 10 minutes, right when it started raining, and it rained the whole rest of the day. I think it was the only match that finished that whole day. And it was like, oh, so then I didn't have to stress the next day. And then, you know, the draws kind of changed and opened up. And that year, actually... I was ranked two, and Steffi had just won the French, and I think she was ranked three, and they flipped us in the seedings, which, you know, obviously they have the right to do that, and they should have done that, but at the beginning, I'm like, oh, my God, so now I went from the two seed to the three seed, which is kind of a big fall (laughs) in terms of draws, and, you know, it just happened to work out. Hingis lost early on my half of the draw, other seeds kind of lost, and the draw opened up, but... You know, just you never know when things are good things or bad things. And I'm telling you, it's again, another. It just, uh, I hear you say this, and I'm thinking it's another reason this Grand Slam is so incredible. <laughs> Winning, you know, one one quirky rain delay or one quirk exactly, with the seeds. Exactly, you never know. Like, there was a rain delay in the final of like 15 minutes, which doesn't seem like a big deal. I'll never forget saying to my coach, like I was up a set and we were on serve, maybe like four three or three all or something in the second. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm freaking out. Like, I can't, like, I'm so close. I can't do this. And you know what? It was one of those talks that was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Cause, and he looked at me in the eyes. He's like, you have this. And he's like, I'm telling you. And it was like one of those, like, okay, I got it. I got this. You know, and it's, it's silly, but you look back later, and you're like, wow, that made a difference. These, these matches turn on small moments. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we're running, we're pressed against time here. What uh, did, did you read Becker's? comments i did about the djokovic and federer thoughts relationship yeah yeah interesting he said those out loud but you know again like we all kind of knew that in tennis i'm surprised he put that out there can can you imagine i was gonna say could you imagine though that he would have done that without novak's sign-off i i do i think becker is one of those personalities that will do what he wants to do, don't you think? I guess, but there's so much. I mean, he talked about this, too. I mean, I think these players are go to such great lengths not to personalize stuff, at least in public. i got to think that Novak wasn't happy. I, I was going to say, if, if not, he's got to be pissed. You no, know, I think so. But, you know, Becker's been pretty quiet in talking to the media. He started last year talking a lot, then he kind of quieted down, and I don't know why he started talking again so much the last few days i'm not sure but um i don't think that got approval before he said that and i think that it probably wasn't met with a lot of joy but i don't know novak well but i know he tried to carry himself in such a high regard and very classy that i don't think that he would love that being said does it bother you that there isn't more overt tension among the players i mean that was that was sort of the greater point of becker right that you it's hard to have all these rivalries when these guys are all buddy-buddy and the few, what little tension exists is sort of kept under the radar. you agree well, with that? I, I mean, he's, he's completely telling the truth. I mean, these players don't get along that well, it doesn't seem, but, but there's a lot they're playing for. You know, I mean, they're, they're playing for not only themselves and Grand Slam titles, but certain rules happen and one wants it, the others don't, or, you know, whatever said. But they just handle themselves differently than we've seen in years past. I mean, Federer doesn't need to go into press and say what he likes or dislikes about his 
you know, opponents or his, or his era, um, you know, we definitely just had more outspoken champions with McEnroe and Connors and, and that generation. All right, so as long as we're here, yep. talking about big four on the men's side. Okay. If you could draw arrows in all these relationships, which, where do you think there's the most tension? You think the it's Roger most Novak? Tension? No, I mean, you uh, know, Roger and Rafa were, were chummy, and then that sort of chilled a little, and there were um, little things here, but I it wasn't. Think, I think it, it probably is Novak and Roger, don't you? I think Roger has never, that, that 2008 Australian Open final, when, when Novak won, yep. and the, you know, the, the queen is, the king is dead, long live the king. I thought there, I think there was an element there that never quite, Roger never quite got out of his craw. I mean, I think at the height of the rivalry, Rafa and Roger, there was some obvious tension, but I think that's gone away because the the rivalry just hasn't been that big of a deal the last couple of years. They're kind of kindred spirits now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Levels, but right. I think now with the with Novak ascending to the top and Roger, you know, fighting to stay up there, getting back to two, I think I think it's probably with those two right now. All right, you know, I I hate what we did, and I'm completely to blame, which is we. You know, we limited this pretty much to women's tennis, and I know that you are just as knowledgeable about the men's side. So, real, real quick, give me your, yep. uh, give me your Wimbledon winner. Oh, what, what about we didn't talk winner? about Simo- we didn't talk about Simona Halep and whether she's a Grand Slam winner. I know that's we a uh, thought, that's an we inside both joke. Was going to happen at the French. John. Exactly, we were both uh, we were both chastised. But that was disappointing, huh? Oh, I thought that was a really poor effort. I, I I'm confused with Simona. At, That's two slams slam. in a row, you know, by she, the way. She went away against Makarova in Australia. Right, exactly. I thought she tried harder against Luchit. She got outplayed. But I just thought it was weird after the match, blaming her coaches for trying to get her to hit harder. Like, that didn't, that Crazy. didn't compute at all. More moon balls. No, but also, you know, she, she said, oh, I was just out hit first ball to last ball. And you want to say, look, you're, you're number three in the world. You know, you, you got to figure out how you're number two at the time. You got to figure out how not to get out hit ball to ball by a player outside the top 50. I, I couldn't agree more. I thought that uh, the whole performance, I mean, I think what in the essence is she crumbled under the pressure of being the finalist and people pinning their hopes on her. I was surprised how she handled it, kind of how she played and how she handled it post-match. I'm with you. All right, so who's winning Wimbledon? That was an inside joke, by the way, but uh, <laughs> who's, who's winning Wimbledon? Um, I don't know. We haven't even had a grass tournament yet. You can't, you can't do that yet. Yeah, these grass tournaments are uh, yeah, glorified practice. I mean, I, I, there's an awful lot of pressure on Serena. I think this extra week is exactly what she needs to give herself the best chance. I think if it was two weeks from the start, it's a lot different story than three weeks. Right. Um, I mean, how do you not pick Serena? She lost one time this year. Um, on the men's. You have to go with the two favorites, but I'm, I'm curious how they both handle it mentally for different reasons. I, that's a cop-out. There's, there's, no, there's no feeling that this might be the year that we, you know, go back to, uh, to 1996, that there isn't some Raonich plays his way through or Nishikori or... You do? You, okay, so you, you're going out. I don't know. I get, I get that feeling. That usually I'm very... Uh, Usually, I, I think this is all very top-heavy, and I'm very—I'm still skeptical of this whole sort of next-generation ATP. Right. But right. I do have a feeling that, you know, R- Roger, I think, has a real shot. Uh, like you, I'm eager to see how Djokovic comes back after this disappointment in Paris. I don't think 
Yeah, I mean, just sort of go down the list. I don't think Stan's... Okay, but if you talk about the outsiders, you have Raonic coming off foot surgery. You have Nishikori, who undoubtedly is still bumming about the French lost to Sanga. Right, right. You have Dimitrov that is just seems to be in a very weird place on how to play, on off-court stuff. You know, you know who Dimitrov really likes right now? Jeannie Bouchard. Not, not in any romantic way, but if it weren't for her, everybody would be talking about what's going on with this. You know, yeah, this yeah. guy didn't win a set in his first round match. I didn't know where you were going with that at first. No, I'm like, no, I was just strictly <laughs> tennis. Her, her, her slot. Same with Radwanska, by the way. I feel like Jeannie Bouchard's slide has obscured a lot of uh, a stocks point. and decline. I think Radwanska's going to start to get it back together on the grass. Former, yeah. I mean, it came within a two, came within a few games of winning the title a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, I think she and. She, I mean, by virtue of losing early at the French, which is not good, but now she's got extra, t- extra weeks on the grass. She likes playing on that surface. She stays low. I, she's nice. I hope she, I hope she starts to turn it around here. Does Jack Sock intrigue you as much as he does me? Um, I, th- I thought his play in Paris was really superb. a revelation. Yeah. Let's see. I, I'm, I, I'm excited for him in the States this summer. I think, um, I know we still have grass. But I think he's going to come into a lot of momentum this summer, and the crowds have been dying for someone for this next generation to get behind. And, you know, if he's able to play his style of game with his improved backhand, I think he's going to get, give them a lot to cheer for. You know what's going on this summer in the States, by the way? The Emirate Airline U.S. Open Series. That's right. You know when tickets are available? Uh, I do on the website. This week. Do you know where? EmiratesAirlineUSOpenSeries.com. Close enough. That'll probably get you there with a Google autocorrect. <laughs> what is it? You see what I did there? EmiratesUSOpenSeries.com. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I was so close, though. <laughs> um, all right. I said hard out at 3 o'clock. I'll uh, see you on the other side of the ocean, my friend. Thank you. I'll see you in a few weeks. <laughs> Take care. All right. That was special guest Lindsay Davenport, Hall of Famer, commentator extraordinaire, coach of an up-and-coming player. All around good people. That's our tennis podcast for this week. We'll do it again soon. This is John Wertheim. Have a good week, everyone.